the next 30 minutes, we're going to spend just having a conversation. So what that means is that you need to participate in the conversation and you can participate so many different ways. You can raise your hand. Like, I think there's a little emoji thing. I'm not going to see them all. It'd be better if you just unmute and ask a question. You can put a question in the chat. You can take notes and follow up with someone later and have a conversation about it uh, because you have all our contact information. I'll make sure you have everybody's contact information that's gonna be sharing today. But I just strongly encourage you to not just sit and receive, but to participate. So feel free to do that today. I'm so excited about this conversation. I'm gonna be turning it into something we do for the next few weeks and that overarching theme is, you know, how do we as leaders, as you guys as specifically church leaders, and this I think includes parachurch ministry leaders as well, how do we lead our teams well? And um, you guys are incredible preachers and teachers of the word. And with your job also comes this responsibility to lead a team that is employed by you. You become a boss and employer, as well as your most of their pastors, ministers. Uh, so I know that there can be some tension in those two definitions sometimes. So I just wanted to spend this first week talking about how do we lead our church staff well? How do we be intentional about that? And I have a few friends here that are going to just share some of their personal experiences. So I'd love to introduce them. Um, we have Elaine, um, wave for us, Elaine. He's my, he's my friend from Multicultural Church in uh, Florida. Uh, we have my friend Trey joined, yay. He's, he's from Church Christ down in St. Louis area. Uh, and we have my friend Dawn from uh, Mountain View Fellowship here in Colorado. So, um, and I believe that Doug Crozier, uh, he leads a big team too. You know, he'll be piping in here some a bit too. So I would like to just start off by, the way we're gonna roll with this is I'm gonna ask the questions. We'll have two or three questions basically. Those four people can pipe in, share their experiences, and then we'll open it up to you guys if you have any additional thoughts as well. That's going to be the structure. So let's start off with the general question of how are you as church leaders intentional about leading your staff? What are the steps you take? What is the goal of your efforts with your staff or the goals you set for your staff? Oh, you want me to start, Renee? Sure. And then right. Elaine and, and Dawn and Trey. Yeah. Uh, I would I would share with all of you, first of all, I come from the corporate world. So obviously making that transition now, uh, oh my gosh, 30 some years ago, um, coming from the uh, corporate world into the nonprofit not for profit world was a was a big uh, a big shift for me. Um, I, I I feel that one of the key things in ministry is if you're going to be a good leader, you have to first of all be a good servant leader. Uh, with the caveat that 
someone still has to be the boss. Okay. And in, in the, in the, in the church world, parachurch world, you know, ultimately someone, uh, the buck stops somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and it's important to be able to communicate that, that yes, um, you know, I'm going to have differing, differing views on differing subjects. Uh, and I'm going to take great advice from as many people as I can. Uh, but the bottom line is, um, if you're the, if you're the leader, the buck stops on your desk. Um, so for me, being a servant leader is important. Uh, letting my staff know that, uh, you know what? I put my uh, my jeans on one leg at a time every morning, just like everybody else. I'm no different from anybody else. And but ultimately, um, somebody has to make the final call. Uh, just to add on, uh, yeah, I'm Trey Beer from South Haven, Mississippi. Uh, uh, definitely add on to what Doug already uh, said. Servant leader. Uh, is most definitely. I think one of the things for me is always reminding staff and volunteers of our mission and our vision and how strategically how we're going to get that accomplished. So once we are dealing with conflict or what whatever, uh, the main thing is it's principle before personality. I always keep that in the forefront. Uh, so when we're making decisions, what's the principle? It has nothing to do with personalities. It's had everything to do with principle and what we're trying to accomplish uh, as a church. And so uh, with that, with that being said, uh, being a servant leader and being able to engage them in that way, I think has been, has worked great for us. Mm -hmm. uh, in my case, I believe um, some of the fundamental um, work ethics um, I'm very intentional about those. For example, I don't correct them in public. You know, I guess that's very basic uh, so that they don't do that to their team members. Um, I, I don't do that. Um, I always ask them, how can I help you? What do you want me to do? How can I help you um, accomplish your task or do, you know, how can I help you? That's something that I always intentionally, even though when I know that I cannot do anything, <laughs> I cannot help my worship pastor produce anything. I will mess it up. But I still ask, you know, um, um, I also um, let them know that they are priority. When they call me, when they text me, they will get a reply immediately. They are they have priority over everybody else. Um, so that makes them feel good. Um, I'm always receptive, basically, to any any communication they give me. Um, and in some of our meetings, some of our meetings, of course, I have to evaluate the temperature of um, the environment and you know everything we're doing. Some of our meetings is all about how are you doing? They are important. Uh, I am basically most of the time uh, task oriented. I'm there to get it done. Uh, and in doing that many times I forget. So I have to be intentional. I have to remind myself all the times, this is about people. We most care about people. So I always ask them, uh, or not always, you know, every once in a while in a meeting, in a formal meeting, instead of going through, you know, um, administration and, and schedule and so on, I ask them, how are you doing? And the meeting is all about that. That's more important than achieving some tasks. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I agree with all that. I mean, that's a, 
that's where we're at. I would say um, I'm trying to learn their names. I think that's uh, part of. Um, I just learned that from Jason, so I need to start learning some names. So, no, we um, we actually I, I love the servant style leadership, and I, I think part of that is leading by example. Um, you have to put the work in. You have to you have to be the example that you want your staff to follow. So that means. Uh, you know, staying in the word, uh, staying in prayer together, um, lead, lead um, in the way that you want your staff to, um, to do ministry. And part of that is, um, I think, one of the important things that I would add, because I agree with the vision, I agree with the servant style leadership and all, but I also think that you have to create an environment where they are free to make some mistakes too. Uh, we have some staff core values here. And one of them is get out of the boat. It's the idea that uh, you might fail, but you're going to fail forward. And uh, so we try to give them the, the lead way to make some mistakes if they take risks to reach people for Christ. And, and one of the things that we tell them all the time is, uh, you know, I've got your back. Um, you, take, you take the steps that you feel like you need to take. Um, and if you fail, and as long as you fail um, in the direction of love, you know, if we're going to err, we're going to err on the side of love. And if you do that, I will always support you and I'll always have your back. And I think if they feel that comfortable enough to take some risks in their ministry, I think you're going to see a whole other level out of them. I asked my staff um, last night, we have a staff meeting last night and I asked them about this. So I had the chance to get to ask them before, before this meeting, because of course I have, I could have, um, an opinion or perspective, my own personal perspective, but I asked them because I don't know how they think. Um, I, I like what I heard, so that's, that's good. Um, they say that I'm very honest. When I need to tell them something, I'll tell them, you know. Uh, everything is clear. Everything is, I'm very honest, but at the same time, um, I set an example. I never asked them to do something I don't do myself. You know, we, we, we were repeating that. Um, I give them wings. That's what they say. I give them wings. I don't micromanage uh, everything they do. I give them the goal. Uh, this is what we're here to achieve, and I let them do it. And at times, they have to learn by failing. So even though I know that they are doing something wrong, uh, if, if I tell them before time, uh, you know, they might not learn. They need to experience it. And many times it's better. They learn better that way. Of course, you know, I, I, I don't let them crash the church or, you know, uh, <laughs> or anything like that, of course. But uh, many times I let them make mistakes that I know that they're making so that then I can tell them, you know, you will have, you know, you will have done better if you did this, you did that, you know. So they, they grow, you know. I empower them to grow, not just by telling them what to do, but letting them do it and truly empowering them, you know. I love that you asked the question. I mean, how, how often as leaders, we forget to just check in with them and ask the question, how am I doing? How, how do you perceive my actions? How, how, how am I received? You know, it's, that's really insightful, Elaine, for you to think, you know, in my mind, I think I'm doing this and achieving that, but have I asked the question to my team of, am I, am I doing that and achieving that? Am I received the way that I think I, I'm working to be received, you know, in my own head? That's really insightful. Um, 
I would, I would also love to ask the question and pick your guys' brains about unity. How do you unify a team? Uh, what are in, what are ways you intentionally, maybe even physically or spiritually, bring them together? And and we can talk about meetings, but I'd like to talk about even things outside of meetings. Uh, what are ways that you uh, intentionally drive unity of the of your church staff team? Yeah, one of the things we we did it. Solomon this year, uh, which I uh, got to give kudos to Adam. Uh, we did the five minutes of fun uh, every Wednesday at 1.55. And um, there was just some really fun things we did. It allowed us to take five minutes out of the week and really just uh, do something crazy. And of course, Adam, Adam can always come up with all the crazy things. Um, I say that a positive uh, uh, vein there, uh, Adam, but, you know, I think that was uh, just the ability to kind of relax every week for that five minutes. And, and, uh, and I think that that was a great experience. I think that was a really good experience too, simply because um with the COVID era and what's next and how we all got through it. It just gave us uh, that five minutes to just, you know, play a game or do something creative uh, uh, once a week that, you know, I think impacted a lot of people. And I know it did me, it allowed me to just uh, kind of veg out and relax a little bit. And, and the, the great part about it was Wednesday, it was midday on Wednesday, middle of the week, every week we did it all summer long. And I know we just stopped doing that, Adam, but you know, I haven't had a chance to ask you, I'll ask you in front of the group, you know, <laughs> we need to get that back going again. Um, so I'm sure we'll, we'll get creative here at Solomon and do that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I'd say I'd, I'd piggyback on that and say a huge thing was having Doug be a part of those. Because, you know, the CEO being the top, sometimes he's traveling a lot, but having, you know, it was an easy entry point for Doug to stack Oreos or to run around with the balloon between his legs or, you know, do something silly. It really made the leader very tangible. And I think that was a huge part of the success too, of seeing people just do something very ordinary with, with your executive team too. I think you actually made Melissa run the balloon between her legs. I don't think Doug did that. I did. I, I delegated that to that. <laughs> <laughs> I just agree. Um, I think uh, you guys have the core value of fun. So do we as one of our five. And um, I think it's true, especially for the lead, that you need to model fun too, even if you're not a fun person. And uh, <laughs> I just think laughter in uh, – you know, we, we, we just need to learn to laugh because uh, I'm sure Dr. Wes would be able to give all kinds of stats on that. But man, our, our staff meeting is right here in about a half hour at 1030 and everyone's there on time, but we probably don't start till around 1045, 1050 because it's just people jabbing at each other in a fun way and just laughing and and goofing off and i always tell our church man if we ever recorded that you'd probably all leave our church but or we'd grow by two you know two thousand or whatever so i just think that uh we do like um do you guys have escape rooms 
you know, so we'll go do an escape room, we'll go bowling, you know, just stuff that just is outside and no pressure. And I think another part of uh, building unity is giving everybody a voice at the table. And I know that could be dangerous, but um, we even let our interns and our sound people, you know, have a voice at the table on all church events, just that way they feel like they're, that they matter. Families were made up. Hmm. Uh, one thing I think uh, to add on to that, one thing I believe when I think of unity, I think of uh, I can't uh, do help but think of Ephesians chapter four, diving to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, but before before Paul even talks about diving to keep the unity of the bond of peace, he says, "Forbear one another in love." Uh, long-suffering uh, and he shows us common care before he shows us common unity so I, i'm a strong believer that there's no common unity if there's no common care so if, if they can if they can know that i love them and i care about them and we care about each other then you have a community common unity right common care and so and that's and so for that reason i think that builds unity within itself it gives birth to unity when we are we're, we're not just doing the, the business of the church, but we actually care for one another. And that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the ways I, that I, I guess we produce um, unity in our team is by, you know, what, what he said, caring for them. Uh, for example, they, they all have kids. They all have part-times. All my staff is part-time. So in our meetings, Kids are welcome all the time. Kids are welcome all the time. I know that, that that could be messy and it is messy many times, but guess what? I have kids myself. They have kids. We are all part-time. I'm very flexible with that. Kids are always welcome. And, you know, even retreats, you know, we go once in a, every, once a year we go on a retreat. Last year, for example, oh no, sorry, this year, we went to, um, we went to Blue Ridge, Georgia. We went to a cabin, 40 of us, and, and it was amazing. It was amazing being together in a cabin, cooking together, laughing together, and learning together. You know, that creates unity um, big way. But I'm flexible with them, uh, and we go out together. We eat together. They all have eaten my um, meals, my flan, my cafe con leche, my, you know, all of that. So they all have been to my house. They know how my, how my house looks. Um, yesterday I was in a meeting and guess what? I'm remodeling my house. I was not clean or anything. So they, they see through me, you know, um, I'm very honest and they know that I'm unnatural. So I'm not a person in the meetings and a different person in service. You know, I'm always the same person. And I guess that creating that sense of trust is important for them to, to trust you on, you know, on the, at the same time to trust them. Uh, so trust is very essential in, in any team for the team to be united. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd hitchhike on that, Elaine, uh, an atmosphere of trust, grace, and freedom. If we cultivate that with our coworkers, and I'm talking about our elders and our staff, we take responsibility for that as senior leaders to cultivate this atmosphere of, of trust. And, and uh, grace means 
people can sometimes make mistakes or, or fumble the ball. And uh, we extend grace. We give them an, an opportunity to learn from their mistakes and to improve. And then an atmosphere of freedom to, to give them the freedom to develop their, their ministry in a way that keeps the goal in sight, but does not necessarily mean that we dictate all the, the twists and turns in their ministry and all the, the things that are on their to-do list. So this, if you want to create unity in the staff among the elders, trust, grace, freedom are the three values, in my opinion. I, and I think um, other things enhance that. Having fun certainly does. But, uh, but I think even more significant is, is um, these, the binding influence of, of trust, grace, and freedom. We have I'm, a few, go ahead. Yes. I would say who else? <laughs> yeah, I'm a great, uh, all that's been contributed is uh, so far, it's just premium material. And thanks, Ken Eidelman, for just the emphasis on, on building trust and grace. And uh, I, I'd like to add to, to pregame before it happens, the issues, what do we do when we have disunity in this stuff? What do we do? if there is a potential for betrayal, pregame it. Address those issues when the team is healthy. Address those issues when the team actually likes each other and getting, uh, getting on well. That's the best time to navigate it. Because once you're in a betrayal situation or a team disunity situation, then, th then it's far more complicated because sides have been drawn. So I think it's a great unity building exercise to actually have the conversation with the team and just say, we're not anticipating betrayal. We, 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 we want to have trust and grace and everything to be the upholding foundations, but we are also human. So let's, let's have a conversation about that team. Um, what do we do when there's betrayal? What do we do when, uh, when there's disagreement? and disunity and an opportunity to establish coalitions and have that conversation with your team when your team is healthy and you know it it's uh and subliminally you're training your team to mm -hmm. to not go down the road of of uh contributing to disunity so that's my thoughts mm -hmm. I think learning uh, is what Dr. Beavis was just saying, but learning together, um, you know, having fun together, I said earlier, but learning together. So what we do is I think we do about four books a year. So we just did the one um, leadership anxiety that you guys all know. And then um, we're starting one called lead like it matters. But I think it doesn't matter what part of the ministry you're a part of. Um, I think that keeps us unified if we work through a book together and, we delve, delve out a chapter to everybody so that burden doesn't fall on one person that allows them to grow also. Because I could say, hey, maybe you should try this or maybe, you know. So anyways, I think learning together is a, a unifier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think also keeping people focused. Um, I know COVID has kind of changed some things around uh, our shop here at uh, Solomon, but... Um, 
you know, we, every new employee at the Solomon Foundation has to read the book Mission Drift. It's part of our DNA um, to make sure that everybody really understands how important it is that we stay on task with our mission uh, and don't drift away from that. And it's so easy in today's world to drift uh, that I find myself drifting at times and I have to kind of pull back the reins and figure out, you know, what we're doing, what we're not doing. But the, the big thing for us is to just make sure uh, people understand um, what the mission is and, and that how we're going to do it together. Uh, and, and the basics of that for us is reading the book Mission Drift. Uh, it's the old example of of the YMCA when it was informed in 1885 in England had a mission that then slowly drifted over a hundred years, 130 years, and today is a totally different organization where some people challenge whether or not the C in YMCA is Christianity. Uh, so. You know, and that didn't happen overnight. And that's why we as leaders have to make sure that we keep on task when it comes to mission, because if we let that drift one little bit at a time uh, can make a, a big change in your ministry. And if you look at mainline denominationalism, look at the drift that's happened there fairly quickly the last 15, 20 years. Uh, so I say staying on task with mission is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Well, I love this conversation so much that we're going to keep talking about it the next two weeks. And I want to just plant a seed of what the next questions are going to be. We're going to have different pastors, different panels kind of lead the conversations. I'm so thankful to Elaine and Trey and Don, Doug for jumping in today. Uh, and next week, we're going to start to talk about and work through staff challenges being short-staffed, disagreements on doctrine, insubordinate staff, divisive staff. How do we tackle those kinds of challenges on, on the team? And then the week after that, we're gonna have a conversation about culture. It's such a buzzword. Do we need to set culture for the church? What is that culture? Of course, we want to see it be a biblical culture, biblically defined culture. What does that look like? So we're going to be having those kinds of conversations over the next few weeks. And my prayer is that it helps you guys all continue to develop the right skills and the right heart to, to lead a team well, because you guys, what you're doing is so powerful and mm -hmm. so needed in our community, in our world today. And I just wanted to help equip you and resource you with the right conversation um, to just continue to be great leaders. So mm -hmm. looking forward to the next couple of weeks.